Oh man, we got some catchy tunes there, Michael. We got some catchy tunes. Filing the nails, looking sharp. Nice background. Obviously, as usual, welcome to UFC Roundup. Michael's in his log cabin in the middle of nowhere, but he's got great Wi-Fi as usual lately. So we thank you for that, Michael. Welcome, thank you, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, thank you for the Wi-Fi yeah. that Michael now has, and uh, we 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 we've been smooth. Knock on wood here. We don't. Yeah. But you know, we've had we've had some glitches in the past, and I think we've been good. We got UFC 288 coming. The UFC is coming back to Jersey. We're going to get right into it. Let's talk main event. Henry Cejudo is back, and he mm. is challenging Aljamain Sterling, somebody you're very familiar with, the Long Island boys. And um, this is an interesting match. There's a lot of questions here. How is the layoff going to affect him? I mean, he was one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all times. And I say was only because you retired and you've had years away from the sport. Aljamain Sterling's been in there. He's been mixing it up. He's had Piotr Jan matches. He's been Corey Sandhagen. He's been fighting some of the best guys that are out there. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? How does it affect him coming into this title fight? I just think ring rust is like this mythical thing. Like, I, I'm really not a big proponent for the whole ring rust thing. Um, you know, I think that for Henry Cejudo, he's a guy that has incredible fight IQ. Like, in his time off, think about how many champions that he has coached. He's been in the it, with John Jones's team he's been coaching Yuri Prohaska Jean Wei Lee so it's not like he's Figueredo he's Figueredo yep. Figueredo so it's not like he's been walking away from the sport and not doing anything he's been staying active so I think that while some people might say he has lost years of his prime because he retired at 33 you know as well as I do Paul that there is a balance when it comes to fighting. You look at all the champions in the UFC, everybody, there's a lot, a lot of the champions are older than 30. It's the perfect blend of being a veteran and having experience mm -hmm. and having your body preserved. So you think in the, in the three years, he's still that same championship caliber fighters body is probably recovered. He knows how to train. I mean, if you even look at the way he simulated his last sparring, he did a walkout. He got greased up. He had an announcer in the octagon. Did it seem a little corny? Yes. But what that shows me is he is doing everything in his power to, sh to shake what could be potential ring rust. And, and the one thing I love a lot about Aljamain Sterling, he, he gets a lot of flack. And for most fighters, you know, when you get to, when you, he gets a lot. When you get to fight week, you're always asked, like, what's the game plan? And most guys, like, they're, they're really dodgy about that question. They don't really want to answer what the game plan is. I love that Aljamain Sterling is like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a way to get to your back, whether it's a missed punch or a takedown. I'm going to jump on your back. I'm going to ride you like Seabiscuit until you <laughs> fork up your neck, and then I'm going to choke you out, and I'm going to go in with my belt. So yeah. that's one thing I love about Aljamain Sterling is you know what you're going to get, and he'll tell you right to your face. I'm going to take you down and choke you out. Love the confidence, and I love that it's, if, if Aljamain Sterling wins – I, I, there's no controversy. Everybody's like, well, TJ got hurt or, oh, you know, there's always some excuse that everybody wants to not chalk it up to the fact that he's just good. Everybody wants to be like, yeah. oh, that was, that was just a lucky sub on Sandhagen or, you know, you, you, that was a BS decision against Jan. I feel like this is the fight where if he beats Henry Cejudo, everybody can just shut the F up and just accept the fact Aljamain Sterling's that good. I agree, but I, I don't know if that's the, if this is the fight because there's the three-year layoff. People are yeah. always going to find something. And I think that Al Jermaine has just got to learn to embrace it, right? As the champion, as somebody at the top of a division, especially um, arguably if 
the best division right now. Active. It is the, the best division right now, division, for sure. Right? We, I mean, it's unbelievable. We just saw Song Yudong again, it, it, just in another incredible bantamweight. It, it goes, the, the list goes on past the top 15 of how good yes, these guys are. Yes, absolutely. But I agree with you on how Aljamain just doesn't doesn't hold back on, listen, I do what I do, try to stop it. I love guys that are like that. You got to be able to stop that pressure, that and he, and he fights at a distance that almost welcomes. God, I'm going to kick at you. I'm going to welcome you to come at me. But Suhudo is so explosive. He fights almost with that karate-like stance on mm-hmm. the feet. I think he's faster on the feet. I think he's more powerful with his punches. And obviously, if we're going to go wrestling to wrestling, now this is MMA wrestling. It's a, t- it's, a, it's a different ball game in there when you're in the octagon versus when you're fight, you know competing at an Olympic level like Suhudo did. But I'm still going to give the edge in wrestling to Suhudo, I th- I think it's going to come down to how did those three years really affect him? Because if it if it didn't, and like you say, if there's no ring rust, man, I I I, I think everybody in this division is going to have a really hard time beating Henry Suhudo. I think he's that good. Yeah, I think he's obviously. I'm going to give the wrestling edge to Suhudo. How could you not? Dude, but I do guy, have a Jamaica cup it, here for you. Do farm. you do have a Jamaica cup for people that don't know? You know, this might come as a surprise. Henry Cejudo is actually an Olympic gold medalist. Not a lot of people know that, so I would definitely give, <laughs> I would definitely give the wrestling edge <laughs> to Henry Cejudo. But is he going to be? Wait, you're willing? saying he wrestled before? He actually did. He was actually pretty decent too. Was he a double champ at one point? I think he might have been a double champ. I think he used to wear a medal around his neck yeah, with he like did. two he, he did. <laughs> yeah, he but he did. but is he willing to engage in the wrestling against a guy which it's I think the biggest it, when you get down to how these guys match up, I feel like the biggest gap in skills would be Aljamain Sterling's grappling compared to his. Yeah. I give the striking edge I'd give the striking edge to, in terms of power, I'd give to Cejudo. And I think that that's how he's going to have to beat Aljamain Sterling. He's going to have to find a way inside and land some short, powerful shots. I don't see him being being able to use his kicking game. I don't know if he's willing to take that chance to use his wrestling. It's what makes this matchup so intriguing, you know? Um, It is good. And and, and the one thing I love is is it's – we're going to get him for at least two more fights if he wins. We know if he beats Aljamain Sterling, we're going to get him for Sean O'Malley because we, I mean, I'm sure we're going to touch on this later. But yeah, you know, all signs point to who's next for both of these guys. So it's going to be a fun fight. And whatever comes after this fight in terms of the Bantamweight Championship is going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, listen, before yeah. we get into five rounds, as we always do, I, and I'm not working this event on, on the color side. Are you not wearing this event? Let's make a pick. Oh, no. I'm not a commentator yet, Paul. I'm going to be sitting right in this spot on my couch looking at that TV. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same room that I will be watching <laughs> it on Saturday night as well. Uh, Michael, I, I will give it to you, man. Who do you got? I am going to give this fight to Aljamain Sterling. I think that his fight IQ is, is grossly underrated. And while Henry Cejudo has a great coaching staff, you have people forget who is in the corner of Aljamain Sterling. You're talking about the team that beat GSP, the team that beat Anderson Silva twice, the team that took uh, took Khabib Nurmagomedov five rounds on short notice. I'm talking yeah. about Sarah Longo. So I think that that's another factor in this fight that could play a big role. I'm going with Aljamain Sterling, Strong Island, stand up. You know what? We got a sandwich bet. We got a sandwich oh. bet. <laughs> on our hands. I listen, I'm, I'm a huge Aljamain Sterling fan. I, I consider him a good buddy. I, I wouldn't say that we're 
we're best friends. Obviously, I'm from Philly. He's from New York. We didn't train that much together over the years, but he's a CFFC vet. I was a CFFC vet. I have no stake in the game. I would love to see him win. I have, you know, I'm not calling the fight. I can say that out loud. This is not Jared Gordon. I'm not going to get any grief for that. Be called bias here. Um, by anybody <laughs> on the so, but I do think that Sanders Pluto is, is a little too explosive and too fast. And we will see how <laughs> the years have affected him. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but I'm going with that. But I think you owe me a sandwich before we move on to five rounds. I think well, I already, UFC I 287, I picked I, Izzy, and I do you picked Bahida. Double, double or nothing. I'm the next time one. we work, that's what we got to do. We just got to uh, – next time I see with the Apex, we just Uber Eats. And if, if Aljamain Sterling wins, I will eat both of those sandwiches at the same time. And I will film it. I will film it for the next episode of Roundup. That's uh, – what, yeah, what kind of sandwich do you want? If we had to – we had to, we haven't talked sandwiches yet. For the long. first one, in spirit of 287 being in Miami, I want to get a Cuban. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I love a Cuban sandwich. And that remains to be seen if Aljamain Sterling wins. I'll think of something else. All right. Yeah, so oh, maybe like a jerk chicken sandwich. If, yeah, Sheba Subs in Vegas has a good yeah. – uh, they got a good little go. sandwich there. There we go. All right, well, with that being said, this is UFC Roundup. We do five rounds. Let's bring up the five boom, rounds, Morgan. Boom, boom, boom. If Henry beats Aljo, does he call out Volk in his post-fight speech? Um, I'll go. I, I, yeah, I, I think if he's going to come back and he goes and gets that first W, the dude's just trying to do things that nobody else has ever done before, right? Why would he be coming back? He's A, maybe he wants some extra cash. Sure, we're fought, prize fighters. That's, But I think... A guy like triple, triple C wants to be quadruple C. He wants to be all the C's. He wants to win as many belts and accolades as he possibly can. It's either him or Sean O'Malley, and he just wants to keep that belt and keep uh, getting ch- paychecks. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be O'Malley. I think that both of these guys have said, like, their next fight. Like, Aljamain said, if I win, I want O'Malley, and then I'm going to move out of the division and let Marab work his way up. Um and I think that's the same for Cejudo. I mean, both of those guys are looking at Sean O'Malley, and he's a tough out. I'm not saying they're they're picking on like low hanging fruit, but yeah. that that's just a money fight. You put you put Sean O'Malley in a pay per view, he's gonna draw it's some gonna numbers. Sell. It's gonna yeah, sell. So I, I think and for, Sean's fun to watch. I mean, he's a he's must see TV for sure. I was just talking to somebody involved in the UFC. I won't say who, but yeah, we were talking about that matchup in particular. If Cejudo were to win, and um, if O'Malley is next. So Hudo's got an ego, man. He might want to knock him out. Like he might want to prove a point to this kid. And that would, that would leave it in Sean's wheelhouse where it could be an ugly fight. It could be fun fight, but it would be fun. It would be a ton of fun. fun. And and you know what? O'Malley showed if he can keep Peter Yan at range and beat him, there's, there's no reason. There's nothing that tells me he couldn't beat Hudo on the feet. And Sean O'Malley visited me in the hospital when I was in Phoenix after I beat James. Really Rick with a punctured lung. So always, always, uh, oh, what a guy. Always a big shout out to Sean O'Malley for visiting. What a real mensch. What a mensch. Round cool. two. Round two. Speaking of Sean O'Malley, I think we got one about him. Does yeah. Sean O'Malley have better odds of beating Sterling or Cejudo for the next title matchup at I'll, 135? I'll, Mike, go, I'll, go. I'll go first on this one. I think O'Malley would have better odds beating Henry. And I, I know people are going to think I'm nuts, but I just think when you look at somebody in Aljamain Sterling and what favors his style in terms of grappling is a longer body to get a hold of. There's yep. just, it's easier to change levels and get to their hips. Their legs are longer. There's more to work with. There's more real estate to grab. It's like for arm bars. It's hard to arm bar somebody with like Artem Lobov arms, yeah. you know, but 
if you got an arm like mine, which I've been caught by armbar in my second amateur fight, uh, there's more there's more to latch onto. So I think for O'Malley, I think he would have better odds beating Henry than he would Aljamain Sterling. I 100% agree with you there. I, yeah. I, I think the same things, right? Aljamain, it's just man. Once he gets a hold of you, it's 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 a it's, it's a different. nightmare. It's and different. More to hold on to. Look at what he did to Corey Sandhagen, man. And I mean, that's the, that that's look. that's what I think of when I think yeah. of him fighting O'Malley. I think of a, a missed punch or capitalizing on a spinning attack and him yeah. just latching onto him. And just like we were talking about with what I said, where I was having a conversation with somebody where we agree that. So Hudo might be, he's going to want to, he, he likes to stand up. He likes yeah. to show that he's more than just uh, a wrestler. You know, he's pretty dynamic everywhere. Sean's got a chance in that, if that, yeah. if that happens. Aljo doesn't have that ego. Aljo is going to be like, listen, the same as he just said about Cejudo, I'm going to try to get a hold of your ass and put my arm around your neck and put you to sleep and go home. Like, that's what I'm going to try to do. Yeah. And there's a good chance he could do that against either guy, but I definitely think he matches up better with O'Malley. Yeah. I agree round three? Right, round three uh-oh almost to the championship rounds with less than a month turnaround for burns advantage or disadvantage paul mm. i'll let you take the reins on this one okay um a lot of times i would think that this could be a disadvantage however i think that since he is on a bit of a roll and he's had camps that have lined up and he's fighting Bilal, who but listen Muhammad is always in the gym. He is always pushing it and training. However, there is a difference between, oh my God, I'm in a five-round co-main event. I'm training my butt off for months so that I can get the next title fight, which, I mean, which is, Palal is probably one of the guys that's as close to doing that full year as you possibly can be. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference. Burns is coming from one camp where he's got a big, huge fight right into another one. So it's easier to, to just spike the fitness a little bit versus Bilal, who's got to be like, all right, listen, I'm not I'm not dropping this opportunity for anything. This is what mm -hmm. I wanted. It's in front of me now. And there's nothing that's stopping me. And he's a cardio freak. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But in this particular fight for Burns, I do think he has the slight advantage of having a little bit more momentum. He's fresh from the octagon. He's felt the punches. He's felt the arena. It was a big live event in Miami. I'm not saying it's an advantage that he's got a huge advantage over Bilal, but in this particular case, him having a fight recently, I do think is an advantage. You know, and not to mention, too, it's the Ramadan thing. You know, I know Bilal, Bilal is, look, for people that don't know what these guys have to do when they're doing when they're practicing Ramadan, they can't eat or drink anything from sunup to sundown. And Bilal is such a gangster that he has had some of the biggest fights in his of his career during Ramadan. A, 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 a time of the year when a lot of people in the UFC, a lot of Muslims say, Hey, I can't fight at this fighting. time. Yeah. He's one of the few that's like, I'll, I'll still do it. He knows how to work around, you know, the parameters of that. But the difference is it's not like he had a camp and went through that. He it's like, he was in the, th the thick of it. And then they call him with the burns fight. He is a guy that's always in the gym. There is a difference between being in really good shape all the time and peaking. Now yeah. on the flip side of that with burns, you can only peak so many times in a short window. Like how much can your body take? I know Burns is methodical with this training, but it's like for me with just what I went through at 287, I peaked really hard, got to the end. And it was like, well, I have to, we got to back off now a little yeah. bit. You can't peak hard for, for harder for longer than three weeks. When you're pushing hard, those last three weeks, the sprint to the finish line is hard. 
But I just think about Burns. Burns is in this groove that Cowboy was in. When Cowboy was fighting 2014, 2015, the dude would have fought, he would fight every weekend. And I feel like at some point he just hit a roadblock where it just like, he just wasn't, he just got tired and he didn't know it. So I don't know if it's, I kind of want to say that the edge, I don't think this is disadvantageous for Burns. I think that that's what I'm trying to get at here. I think if anything, it's a little bit more disadvantageous to Bilal. I think this fight would be dead even if Bilal had a full camp. Yeah, but that doesn't mean Bilal can't win. That doesn't sure. mean I. Th- that oh, doesn't bro. mean I'm sold that Burns has this thing game set match. Bilal is hungry, no, dude. He is if anybody can fight hungry. through adversity, it is Bilal. Like that dude is very resilient. So <laughs> if there's anybody that can rise to the occasion on short notice in a in a moment like this, it's Bilal Muhammad. It is Bilal, and I can tell you that I've been through some of those camps. I've been at the practices when he is practicing Ramadan and not drinking or eating anything, bro. And I've seen him go five full hard rounds. And then I've gotten to see him at night when it's finally time when he, you know, he was, um, I think at the time living with somebody else that was going through the same thing and, and to see them finally get to, you know, have to, <laughs> yes. he had a plan, but he also <laughs> yeah. had a plan. He was smart. Like it was like, you know, Pedialytes and Gatorades and waters. And he would, he would almost practice rehydration like he had just done a cut. So he would get all that in, then he would eat and he would wake up, wake himself up again so that he could eat so that he would make sure he got enough in for the next day when he would start training. Listen, the dude's an absolute stud. Uh, yeah. I'm so happy for him and where he's at. And to if finally went, get if the he, opportunity, if he dude. wins this fight, dude, if he wins this fight, I mean. I texted him. I was like, bro. It, it, unreal. It would be amazing. It's it, it. I just think about when I first started training at Rufus Sport and he was there. It was like, man, you know, th- he was in the grind like me. Like we, we were just trying to make a name for ourselves. We had, n- you know, nothing going on. A couple, you know, we had wins in the UFC. We had bonuses, but we were nobodies. You know what I yeah. mean? And to see him get to where he's at now and be one of the absolute top guys, and we're talking about him it. here on a podcast. It's it's great. He deserves it, dude. He yeah. deserves it all, and then some. A big shout out to Bilal and Gilbert Burns. You guys are both studs. You're both studs for taking this fight the way you both did. It shows you guys want the next title shot and you better freaking get it or I'm going to start breaking stuff in my house. Anyway, (laughs) let's go to round four. I love when you get fired up. (laughs) (laughs) What lessons did you learn as an MMA fighter that helped you in your post-fighting career? As a former endurance athlete, my inner strength was cultivated in the trails. I know you can speak to this more than I can, Paul, but, you know, I will say my two cents. You know, I'm still in the thick of my career. I'm still trying to get in the mix right now. I think that from the outside looking in, um, I think hobbies. I think that's what helps guys when they're transitioning out of competition. Have hobbies. Have hobbies that keep give you something to push yourself with. I think that that that's where fighter struggles. We're so used to having something to push our bodies, push our minds. We get so used to like struggling. Like we like to struggle. We like to have strenuous activities and things to work towards. And I think. When guys don't have hobbies, when they hang them up, I think that that's where they kind of have some some struggles. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that 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 was it for me, right? If I hadn't found, you know, starting the race and do all that kind of stuff, I, I I'm sure I'd be much more depressed. I'd be much more um, kind of lost. And it, it, as far as lessons that I learned as a fighter that have helped me in my post career, other than finding triathlon, obviously, but even things that I learned just as a fighter. For me, it was like, I enjoy, like you talked about, I enjoy having a schedule, having things that I need to wake up for and, and, and do and execute. And I feel like if you're that type of person, 
You've got to do that even after you're done fighting. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it's a new job that you picked up. It doesn't matter if it's investing money. It doesn't matter if it's your kids and how you're going to get them ready for school. You're going to do this. You're going to wake up that. If you're an athlete that's fought for so many years, right? We all have a, I wake up, I drink my coffee, I take a dump. I go to the gym, I hit a run, I go do jujitsu, whatever it is, you've got to find that structure and you've got to keep it. I I feel like if you're a guy that, that has been, or a a woman that's been an athlete that long, you've got to find something to keep you on, on task like that post fighting career. It doesn't matter what it is, but you've got to keep yourself accountable. Like you do when you're fighting and and you'll be all right. So that's a lesson I've learned. And I love that. He says he's, he found like his inner strength on the trails and doing that kind of stuff. For me, now as an endurance athlete, somebody that's doing that, for me, I wish I'd incorporated more of this when I was training for fights. For me, it's it's hills. It's running hilly routes is my, like, if I feel like I'm on one one day and I got a, an hour run on the schedule, I will like put Or if Bobby, like Bobby Green upsets you, you're like, I'm going to go to that hilly run. I'm gonna. <laughs> but seriously, it's like, running up and down hills, is, is yeah. uh, it's not fast. It's not something you're going to post about, like, look at my speed, but it's, you got to dig deep when you're looking straight up of a, like, go run the, I run the Red Rock uh, scenic loop in Vegas. Go run the Red Rock scenic loop. It's 15 miles. Yeah. And it's 1500 feet of elevation gain. I'm going to bring you out to Hazard Hill where I do my biking. Oh, bro. I, you know, I was just thinking that I want to come out there and I want to bring my road bike and, uh. I'll show you how to ride some climbs. I'll let, I'll link you up with somebody that can keep up. My my old wrestling coach is like he's been cycling his whole life. So oh, I'll, I'll let like, him lead the way. I'll let you guys lap me. You guys <laughs> lap me, and I'll just kind of hang out in the back. And then we'll get we'll get some delicious beers and coffees while we're uh, while we're Ooh. in the area. Perfect. Round five. Round five. Round five. If Jessica Andrade wins on Saturday, does she get the title shot or is she next in line after the rematch? Is Song Yidong the bantamweight prospect that no one in the top five wants to fight? And who has the edge in the five-round co-main event on Saturday from a cardio standpoint? little loaded. little loaded a question, Paul. I'll let you, but Michael, I'll let... I know the first part was something that when we were reading through these before we started to shoot this, you brought up a good point. What about... Yan Shanan instead. Yeah, like what? yeah, you know, everybody's talking about I, I just answered this question this weekend when I was working the desk, and they're like, if Jessica Andras wins, is she next in line to fight Jean Wei Li? I'm like, well, what if Yan Xiaonan wins? Like, yeah, this, this is a this is a two-sided time. fight. I know she's only coming off one win over Mackenzie Dern, but nonetheless, I mean Andrade is, you know, she's just bouncing around weight classes, and I think that Jian Xiaonan's getting forgot about it. And I think that if you think about a Zhang Wei Li, Yan Zhaonan title fight in China. Does that not sound like a ton of fun? Like, I think that that would be great. They don't train together. It'd be a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, Andrade just kind of fought everybody. I think she should have to staple herself in this weight class and maybe get one more win. Yeah. I mean, that that's, um, that's what I, I, I think that too. It's like, man, you jumping around, you're coming off a loss. Just yeah. one win and and you jump back into the mix. I I don't think so. I yeah. I, I I don't know if that's accurate, and I don't know if that's what's going to happen on uh, on Saturday. Um, and then the one about um, Song Yidong. I don't think he's the guy that people are going to be afraid of in the top five. I think I think Marab's the guy in the top five where people are like, oh my god. You just see what he did to Peter Yan, and to know what you would have to go through in a training camp to fight that version of Marab. That's the guy people, you know, would, would yeah. want to deviate from for sure. 
Yeah, I I agree with that. He is definitely the boogeyman in that division where it's just like walk. You just you might as well just stand <laughs> in the corner and smash your head against the wall for a while because that's what that fight is going to feel like. It feels like you're going absolutely nowhere. Oh and then what was the last one? Was it the, the, the who the has cardio? the edge? Who has the edge in the co-main? Okay, I, both guys I think are very dialed in on being very in shape when they show up. And I appreciate about both these athletes. I think that these are two guys that if you are also a young fighter and you're like, man, who should I really look at to see who I think these two guys are, you know, in my top five, my teammate from Philly as well, Michael, you, you fought Sean Brady's another guy where if you're looking at people who are disciplined and actually stay on constantly trying to be an athlete year round, th- yeah. those people are up there. But Bilal is that guy. Gilbert writes these notes. He's got motivational. Th- like he is. John Anik always talks about. He saw these sheets that he just writes for. He's very meticulous. Very meticulous in his camp. Yeah, and I know how much of a, a cardio machine Bilal is, but I just, I have to, I, I have to give the edge to Burns, just given the fact that he has just been in one constant training camp. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, in this particular fight. Probably. Yeah, just like yeah. rolling right from the Mazadal fight, which was, was relatively easy on his body, rolling right from that fight um, into this one. Yeah. Before we get off, is there any fights you're looking forward to this weekend? Outside oh, I of, mean, uh, yeah, main card? dude, we were just talking about, I mean, um, Thug Nasty is back against, against um, of Loyev. Of Loyev. That's bananas. Where is that's it at? That's a great fight. That's a that's, that's Dober, uh, Matt Frivola. Got to uh, give it a shout out. I mean, yeah, I think Dober Frivola is going to steal the show. Dober Frivola is just one of those fights you just know. Like it's like when Gaethje Chandler got put together, you're like, yeah, yeah this fight's going to be nuts. Like you just some fights get jinxed when you're like, this fight's going to be crazy. But this is one of those fights. Like no, you know, both these guys are going to stand toe to toe. Dober has got a freaking chin on him. Like it's an unreal. Going to be. It, and for Vol is a dog. Uh, Marina Rodriguez is back in the mix. Cron um, Gracie. Cron Gracie. Charles Jordan, who's always fun, man. Always yeah. brings it. Obviously, Jessica Andraz and, and Jan, who we just talked about. This card is stacked. It Absolutely. It's fun. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you do not want to miss this one. I might take a two, three-hour nap in the middle of the day. Mm, just to prepare. Saturday. It's it's Ashley's communion. We got a lot of things going on this Saturday, but I will somehow find out time to do an hour and ten minute run. There you go. An hour and a half swim. Yep. Nap, communion party, and two eighty eight. So anybody out there that says they're tired, suck it up. I'm Paul Felder. He's Michael Chiesa. Let's get this guy a fight soon. All right. Let's go. Come on. Here. All right. Bored. I want to fight somebody. A lot of yard work. He deserves it. Yes, sir. Peace out, everybody. See you guys next week.